G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, we're going to talk through this hour, uh, who's afraid of the E word? And, of course, all of this as the world prepares to farewell Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham, as you know, overnight, a rare tribute uh, was paid to America's top uh, by uh, by America's top political leaders under the Capitol Rotunda in Washington. Uh, Donald Trump saying the legendary Billy Graham deserved to be recognised in the place where the memory of the American people is enshrined. Uh, Billy Graham, of course, died last week. He was 99 years old. On the way to his final resting place, Billy Graham will lie in honour at the US Capitol Rotunda He is the 32nd person and just the fourth private citizen to receive the distinction. So his body in a coffin and people wandering past uh, paying tribute to him. Billy Graham's pastoral role spanned 11 presidents of the United States, presidents like Bill Clinton or George W. Bush, Well, in a very colourful life that saw him hold over 400 crusades around the world, he became the first evangelist to speak behind the Iron Curtain. And he even received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's held in such high regard by politicians and had become known as the pastor to the presidents. And we're going to talk through some issues today and perhaps reflect on those virtues that we can see in the life of Billy Graham. You might like to join in our conversation, Who's Afraid of the E-Word? But Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim and back with us again today. Hello, Stu. Welcome to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be back. Stu Miller, uh, you're an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I wonder whether at age 99 when you uh, pass away, (laughs) uh, whether you would like to have your body on, well, I'm not sure whether the coffin is open, uh, but uh, your body in state or in honour and uh, people wandering past and and uh, we've heard of those dignitaries who are paying tribute to him, uh, putting their hand on a coffin, recognising mm-hmm. that an evangelist is the sort of person that they want to remember in the, the nation's history. I wonder whether uh, you would, you know, could that be a Stu Miller in the future? <laughs> I hardly think so, Neil, but uh, <laughs> but thanks for thinking me of me in those terms. <laughs> uh, interestingly, though, just to reflect on this, because as an evangelist, yes. sometimes, and we've had discussions over the years, sometimes the evangelist feels a little isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call those sorts of people lone wolf evangelists. Mm-hmm. Uh, when an evangelist is now honoured in the highest possible way, perhaps you might say in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, this is a moment of celebration because Mm. we can look at an evangelist and say evangelists are held in such high regard. Yes. Well, it is probably a little bit out of the norm for evangelists to be held in such high regard, unfortunately. Um, 
the the the, uh, the name of the show. Who's afraid of the E word? You know, evangelist or evangelism is something that uh, sometimes strikes fear into the heart of Christians. And and uh, you mention the E word, and all of a sudden things goes a little bit cold. You know, so um, it's great to see Billy Graham honoured uh, so well and as an evangelist. And uh, it certainly is doing something for the cause for uh, for evangelism to have him honoured in that way. So Billy Graham and evangelist. Mm. Now, this is an interesting word uh, because if we're talking context of Mm. what evangelists do, most of us think of the evangelist like in the Billy Graham sense, you know, Mm. someone who stands up before the crowd Mm -hmm. and delivers a message of the gospel. Uh, But there are lots of ministers of the gospel. Not everybody is an evangelist. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we could look at even the passage there in Ephesians chapter 4. Yes. uh, And we could identify apostles and prophets, evangelists, Mm -hmm. pastors, and teachers. And all of those different ministries have a particular flavor, a particular look, a particular Mm -hmm. character. Uh, but evangelist is right there in the center, in the center. and uh, and oftentimes uh, some of these other uh, some of these other designations sometimes get you know the higher applause. But in one sense here, this is really something for uh, for listeners today to appreciate that mm. an evangelist is now getting the highest applause. Absolutely, and uh, I think uh, you know that going on from that passage to the next verse, it says. Uh, that those those fivefold ministry are to equip the saints for the works of ministry, and so I think uh, you're right. Sometimes people have got a perception about what an evangelist is, and they they look at Billy Graham and they think it's the guy who preaches the gospel to thousands of people. Well, I could never be like that. I could never be an evangelist. But in Ephesians four eleven and twelve, in that verse twelve, it talks about equipping the saints for the works of ministry. So an evangelist is someone who equips people to be able to share the gospel, and Billy Graham did that. As well, he equipped people as he travelled around. He ran seminars on how to share the gospel, and he equipped his counsellors as he went around. And so he was strong on that. But it's not what he's really known for. But really, that the biblical evangelist is someone who is involved in that equipping role. And uh, the confusion, I think, sometimes people go with evangelism is they, it's not my gift, it's not my ministry. I'm not an evangelist, you know. I can't stand up in front of a crowd. But of course, as a Christian, we are all called to be able to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, with those around us. And we don't need to stand on the stage. We can sit down with a friend over a coffee. We can talk with a neighbor over the fence. We can Any time that you're sharing the gospel, you're evangelizing. A powerful thing you're making some reference to here, though, because when you are the evangelist and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, mm-hmm. uh, it's not always this is the five-point plan, uh, mm-hmm. this is what you do. And, of course, there is, a, there is all of that you know, training that can go on and you're a you're an evangelism trainer, mm-hmm. but it is also the uh, example that is set by those mm-hmm. who've gone before. Mm-hmm. And to bring that down to our local church setting, it's the example of those who are fearless in their faith mm-hmm. and prepared to get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And to really uh, step out onto the water, uh, because mm. it's a risky thing sometimes, uh, to be able to share their faith with others. And so there are people in our own local churches, even though they might not be up the front with a five-point plan on how to do this, mm-hmm. uh, we're watching them and they are role modeling for the rest of us how to do it. Mm. And um, stepping out of your comfort zone isn't always easy, but it's uh, something that I think people respect because we are like in a fishbowl, aren't we, as Christians? People are looking at our lives. They're thinking, who, is the, who are these people? 
you know, what are they, they're saying all these things, but does their lives back it up? And our walk and our talk have got to be the same. But I think that um, sometimes, uh, you know, with that, you know, there's, there's a lack of respect if we don't actually have any talk. If we say we're a Christian, but then we don't actually talk to anyone about our faith, it's not sort of real to people. And I think, uh, I know when I was at high school, for example, you know, th- there was a very hostile environment towards Christianity and uh, like a, a lot of society is today in some regards. Um, and there was Christians in the Christian group at school that didn't say boo to anyone and no one had any respect for them. You know, but we, uh, there was a, a friend of mine and myself who stood up for our faith and initially we got a lot of attacks and a lot of people hassling us, but eventually, People came to respect us because they're like, you guys actually believe this. You're actually standing up for something. And we had people come to us that we didn't even know that would come and ask us questions about God. And there was a, a sense that, yeah, real. Uh, they were watching our lives. They were seeing that we're being consistent. They were seeing that we're walking. Uh, we weren't perfect, of course, but they they knew that uh, what we were saying is matched up with our lives. And so that's very important. Well, wanting in, to invite listeners to join in our conversation today, because if we ask that question, who's afraid of the E word? As uh, Stu is saying, uh, who's afraid of the word evangelist? Or who's afraid of the idea of evangelism? Mm. Uh, this is something you might like to contribute to because you might be able to uh, reflect on a story of your own past mm. uh, as Stu does uh, back in those school days. Mm. And a lot of us can remember those days in the old school yard uh, <laughs> where it wasn't always comfortable. And no. uh, in fact, you were glad that somehow or other it got out and then the rumor started to spread that you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then people started asking you or even, uh, yeah. you know, I'm and for some people, uh, it's just a debate. Uh, others mm-hmm. uh, even find a level of bullying. Yes. Uh, you know, but uh, you might like to reflect on your own story. So mm-hmm. our talkback line is open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Who's afraid of the e word? Let's come back to Billy Graham for a few moments mm-hmm. uh, here uh, as we talk, uh, Stu, because his funeral's taking place. It'll be Saturday our time, but Friday in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, the funeral will take something like 90 minutes. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that it's going to be televised uh, and uh, we'll assume that it's going to be on TV here in Australia. If, uh, if listeners might be able to check on that and uh, let us know. Uh, it's going to be a, a funeral service at the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte in North Carolina His son, Franklin Graham, is going to deliver the funeral message and it'll be in like a a large tent, a tribute to Billy Graham's 1949 Los Angeles crusade in which over 350,000 people attended to listen to Billy Graham preach. Mm. 3,000 were converted on that day. That 3,000 numbers, that sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Acts chapter 2, 3,000 added on that first day of the church. Uh, Now, the intent of... Uh, Billy Graham for his funeral service. Now, this is something that I think is exciting, is to reflect and reinforce the gospel message that he preached for more than 60 years. Mm. Billy Graham hasn't left us yet in that sense, has he? Because, no. uh, because this whole funeral service is all about reflecting this message. Mm-hmm. So he was aware in the years of this planning in the lead up to his death, mm-hmm. that on his death, this would be his 
swan song, mm. and this would be the loudest, perhaps the loudest message he's ever preached. Yep. And we're looking forward to that this week. Absolutely. It's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. Uh, there's going to be millions and millions of people watching that from around the world. And uh, the gospel will be preached. <laughs> you can count on that with Franklin Graham. And, uh, yeah, a, a, a friend of mine posted on uh, Facebook, an evangelist friend from Melbourne, Dave Knight, he uh, posted, uh, it's fake news, Billy Graham's dead. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and, and he, then he quoted a quote from Billy Graham who said, you may one day hear that Billy Graham has died. Don't believe it. That's right. <laughs> uh, in actual and, fact, uh, he is continuing to speak beyond the grave. That's right. That's right. I mean, he's still alive with the Lord today, of course, and... Um, uh, you know, everyone who receives Christ uh, receives eternal life, and that starts now and goes on forever. But, uh, you know, like you say, even aside from that, his message, his legacy, the gospel's continuing to go on. And, and uh, like you say, his, his funeral could be the biggest ever uh, televised event of the gospel um, in history. Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Stu Miller, our guest from Train to Proclaim and uh, sort of a heart-to-heart conversation on the issue of evangelism and who is afraid of the E-word and in the shadow, a conversation in the shadow of uh, such a great evangelist, Billy Graham, who is uh, lying in his coffin right now uh, on display in state, in honour in the United States. People are filing past there, uh, paying tribute to an evangelist. Uh, that word is an important word for us today, and you might like to join in our conversation because who is afraid of the E word? Stu Miller from Train to Reclaim. Stu, you're an evangelism trainer. As you reflect on 60 years of Billy Graham as a evangelist, mm-hmm. uh, he has had to be adaptable in all of that time. Mm. Uh, to adapt to all of the changes in society, and that's there's been huge change over the last 60 years. He's been very adaptable, but styles in evangelism perhaps need to change, and uh, he was mm-hmm. able to do that very well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he obviously had the, the, the crusade evangelism happening, uh, you know, uh, very, very well, uh, and through the decades that he ran crusades, there was just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that came, and many people come to the Lord. And uh, but, you know, the, uh, the the fact is that society does change. I mean, we don't have so many crusades these days. Uh, they're very seldom held in, in Western countries. So they're still huge in, in the non-West. There's still hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people coming to Reinhard Bonnke Crusades and other evangelists that are, that are running them in the non-West. But in the Western world, uh, holding a crusade doesn't have the same appeal that it has in the time of, of Billy Graham, unfortunately. So we've, we've got to adapt, and, and Billy Graham was adaptable. He, he used the media uh, to yes. great advantage, didn't he? Uh, he, he had to uh, change with the times. And uh, and so do we. We've got. I think we've got to realise that the message never never changes. We've got to be uh, you know consistent with the gospel that that's been handed down from the right from two thousand years ago. But certainly the methodology or the way that we can communicate today is unprecedented. We've got opportunities that that other people have never had in history through the internet, through social media, through apps, through all sorts of uh, you know digital ways and, and technology. We've got uh, unbelievable opportunity today than that other Christians, you know, a hundred years ago wouldn't have dreamed of. 
And in one sense, evangelists today stand on the shoulders of the likes of Billy Graham. He's been mm. a forerunner. He's yes. been a pioneer. Mm. Uh, he's shown that the world will respond when the message of the gospel is preached. Mm. So when you talk about adapting and uh, changing the way that we see the style of evangelism, you mentioned things like apps, and we'll want to talk about your app, uh, yeah. which is uh, such an important tool that people can use. But this idea of changing style in evangelism, uh, there are new changed styles that some people might not even be so aware of. The Global Outreach Day and those sorts mm. of things where where it's not just something that's happening in your town or your city or your state or your nation, but actually there's global initiatives and the mm. style has changed and more and more people, perhaps more than ever before, are now being impacted by the gospel. Yeah, and I think um, you know the, the the methodology is just diversified, and I, and I don't think that that any there's no one way of sharing the gospel, and there's certainly I wouldn't write off any particular methods of sharing the gospel. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know it's not a style of evangelism that that's outdated. It's Bad people skills are outdated, and I think whatever method you use, if you've got good people skills and you're connecting with people, you can use a, a range of different tools to do that. But Global Outreach Day um, embraces that. You know, that's uh, for those of the listeners that don't know, Global Outreach Day is the last Saturday in May every year, and it's uh, it's an, a worldwide global event where Christians, about between 15 and 20 million Christians, were involved last year, which is just fantastic. Uh, we're going out and, and committing to sharing the gospel with someone, doing something for somebody in the name of Christ and uh, communicating the good news. And so what, what an amazing thing to be involved in. Uh, if your church is not involved, ask your pastor to get involved uh, to, to promote it because it's a real good catalyst for new initiatives and new ways of, of doing things and, and as Christians to step out and do something we haven't done before. I like what you're talking about with this idea of people skills. Mm. Uh, if we're talking about who's afraid of the E word, uh, sometimes we doubt our own people skills, uh, but there's horses for courses, and there are some people you can talk to and I can't, mm-hmm. uh, vice versa. And yeah, there absolutely. are some people who just have uh, a capacity to be able to reach uh, people who sometimes might be looking a little bit strange to us, mm. uh, you know, someone who's covered in tattoos and someone who's called a clean skin, even mm. so so far as that goes. Sometimes people are are mm. better communicators mm. to different types of people. Some are, yeah. yeah, to the mm. old or to the young, to children, mm. Uh, mm. to youth. Uh, this idea of uh, of having people skills, I, I guess you've got to work on the people skills you have for the people that you really connect with. Absolutely. And I think if, if you've got a perception of what evangelism is, that it's just standing up in front of a crowd and preaching to a crowd or standing on a street corner and preaching, you know, uh, you've got it wrong because evangelism is communicating the gospel. It's simply communication of the gospel in whatever form that is. And you may be better at, at communicating with a particular subculture of skaties or, you know, whatever, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned already. Uh, whatever you connect with, you know, it takes all types to reach all types. And that's why we've all got to be involved. And, and something I've, I've been offering, I've been offering a thousand dollars, Neil, as I've been preaching in churches for the last 15 <laughs> years or so, uh, you know, longer. I've been offering a thousand dollars for anyone who can show me anywhere in the Bible that evangelism's a gift. Because some people were saying to me, Oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm saying, it's not a gift, it's a command. <laughs> like love one another, you know? We don't have a gift of love. We we're called to love. And we're called to to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. 
And it's going to take us all to be able to do that. We, we can't reach this world with only a few people, one or two percent who call themselves evangelists doing all the work. We've got to, uh, we're a team here. We've all got to bring our strengths and our weaknesses together. And, uh, you know, like you're saying, you'll be able to reach people I'll never be able to reach and vice versa. There's introverts that say, Oh, I can't be, you know, God can't use me for evangelism. I say that's not the case at all. In fact, some of the best evangelizers that I know are introverts. They're, they're gentle. They're loving, they're caring, they get alongside people, they're non-assuming, they don't overpower, and they very lovingly and gently share the gospel with people. Brilliant. Um, I would say if you're listening today and you've got the wrong perception of evangelism, uh, good news for you. You can be a part of God's rescue plan for the world. You can be a part of communicating this great message with others. A thousand dollars for anyone who can find the scripture that says evangelism is a gift. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure there's a new translation coming out sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> You'll have to look uh, yeah. out for that one. There's yeah. a lot of people going to come up to you and say, "Hey, look what I've found in this new translation. It's <laughs> it's a dodgy translation, but hey, it says it's a gift." Ah, <laughs> uh, this uh, is uh, uh, when we talk about evangelists. Uh, it's getting harder and harder, Stu Miller, for some people to be public evangelists. And I've had some conversations of recent times while you've been overseas Mm -hmm. and uh, talking about just how difficult it is in some places. Uh, There's now even some uh, court cases and legislation that's Mm -hmm. prohibiting evangelists, say, in the city of Brisbane in Queensland, uh, where in the Queen Street Mall, Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to uh, share your faith or hand out a tract to anyone. You you can't do that. Mm. Uh, It's now become illegal. It's getting tougher and tougher. And Mm. there is a sense, isn't there? Make hay while the sun shines Because if things are on the way to getting tougher We Mm. haven't got much time to to waste Mm, Absolutely And and I've been saying for years We've got to to utilise the opportunities while we can Because tougher times are coming And we're seeing that We're seeing a pushback on religious freedoms And uh, that's a massive issue of course at the moment Uh, Religious freedom has been discussed a lot at the moment And uh, uh, but even things like I, I sort of think of RE, religious education in schools, you know, religious, religious instructions, depending on which state you're in. Uh, you know, that, that's a massive opportunity for Christians to be able to, you know, to, to, you know, to get into classrooms and to, to be a Christian influence and to reflect Christ to children. And often we can't fill the classrooms, Neil. And I sort of think, whoa, we won't realize what a great opportunity we have until we're not allowed in the, in the schools anymore. And many schools, it's just not possible. Uh, it's just, it's been banned from the schools. And so when we have these opportunities, we've got to take them with both hands. When we talk about the issue of freedoms, mm. uh, what it does seem to be taking a little bit of time for uh, the major populace of the Christian church to appreciate is the loss of freedoms means a loss of capacity to share the gospel. Mm. Uh, and it means that when you are going to step out of that boat and share the gospel in times to come, you may actually be facing mm. fines, courts, uh, even the possibility of imprisonment. This is the sort of way that things might be going. So who's afraid of this E word? Mm. Uh, perhaps the fear hasn't struck many, mm. but there is some legitimate fears to hold. Mm. And yet we're commanded in the scriptures to fear not. Yes. Uh, we are going to have some challenges in fear uh, coming ahead, Stu. Yes, and uh, you know the the early apostles they they found the same thing. They were commanded not to preach 
the name of Jesus, and they just, what did they do? They went straight back in and they started doing it again. After being thrown in prison, they went straight out and did it again because they said, we fear God, not man. Well, on the way to his final resting place, Billy Graham is at this time, even as we speak, lying in honor at the U.S. Capitol Rotunda, the 32nd person and just the fourth private citizen to receive that distinction. Uh, His pastoral role spanned 11 presidents of the United States, and in a very colourful life, it saw him hold over 400 crusades. Now, he became the first evangelist to speak behind the Iron Curtain and even received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was also held in such high regard by politicians, becoming known as the pastor to the presidents. Well, we're talking about evangelists and evangelism today and who is afraid of the E-word. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim. Uh, Talking through these sorts of things today, Stu, and inviting listeners to join in our conversation, uh, let's come to some sort of solution-oriented things here. If we're going to be afraid of the E-word... Do we have to adjust even the way we talk about evangelism? Mm. We noted earlier that Billy Graham was so adaptable through a 60-year career Mm. as an evangelist. He was able to adapt. We've got to adapt ourselves. Mm -hmm. What have we got to adapt about the way we talk about evangelism? Mm. I mean, I think um, what we talked about before about what evangelism is is very, very important because uh, if we've got a wrong understanding of what evangelism is, and uh, unfortunately, even though uh, Billy Graham did an incredible work with all the Crusades, um, a part of the, the consequence of the, the Crusades is that many Christians go, well, that's evangelism. That's, you know, evangelism is when I invite someone along and then that guy at the front preaches the gospel to them rather than uh, Jesus saying, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. So rather than a, a come and see approach, uh, the heart of the Great Commission is for each individual Christian to go and tell. Uh, and so that, like I said, it can be over a coffee with a friend, over the, 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 the neighbor's fence. It can be any time you're uh, sharing the gospel with someone, you are evangelizing. You don't need to be standing up in front of a big crowd. So I think part of the scariness of the E-word is, is what we perceive evangelism to be. For some people, it, they think evangelism is to try and force someone to do something they don't want to do. <laughs> and that's, that is a scary thing. I, I'm scared of that, you know, like, but that isn't what evangelism is. It's communication of the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a, a quote from J.I. Packer that I think summarizes evangelism really well. And he says, the way to tell whether you are in fact evangelizing is not to ask whether conversions are known to have resulted from your witness. It is to ask whether you are faithfully making known the gospel message. And I don't know about you, but that that relieves a a huge weight off my shoulders, Neil, to know that I don't need to save the world. Uh, The results of of the conversions are up to the Lord. He's the only one that can bring people to himself. You know, Uh, I'm not the savior of the world. Jesus is. (laughs) But all he's called me to do is to communicate this good news and how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. And so that's what evangelism is. and, And we've got to get away from the scariness of We've got to get people to pray a prayer. We've got to get people saved. You know, it's not about a chink on the belt. It's not about salvations. It's about communicating that good news and allowing the Holy Spirit to draw that person to Christ. And for us to be part of that journey, just to link in the chain, not expecting, you know, or forcing or bullying or being a high pressure salesperson to try and get that person over the line uh, to feel like we've succeeded. Because as soon as you've uh, shared the gospel, you have succeeded. 
Interestingly to hear you reflecting on that, Stu, because you could almost, as a Christian, have a godless perception of what evangelism is. Mm. As you say, it's like going through this mechanical process and, uh, oh, you know, people are watching me and I've got to go out and I've got to uh, tell this message to people and, and somehow or other, uh, you know, I've got to do all the work and I've got to be the one who's responsible for this and I've got to stand up and uh, and hear people applauding and maybe even smiling and uh, saying, wow, you must be a great person. Mm. But really what you're saying here is don't neglect the presence of God mm. and the power of his Holy Spirit mm. working through you because mm-hmm. – Ultimately, he's the one who changes a life. Mm-hmm. He's the one who draws a person to himself. Mm-hmm. He's the one who brings the conviction of sin. Mm-hmm. You are just the messenger. And right. when you do that, when you tell the message, this is not something that you do on your own, but this is in partnership with God himself mm. because it's his mission. How do you mm. find when you're addressing groups of people that somehow or other we feel as though, oh, we're uh, okay, we'll just take a God-less view. Mm. Uh, we've got to actually have a, a view that God says uh, he'll be with us even to the end of the age. Well, it's interesting that that promise at the end of uh, Matthew 28, and, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age, comes straight after the Great Commission, which of yeah. course is proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. Uh, and so God promises to be with us, and uh, he, he promises to, to do the work. And, and John 6.65 says, no one comes to the Son unless they're drawn by the Father. And, and when you look at that word in the Greek, um, do you know what it, says? it means? Um, this is very profound now. Let us in on it. It means no one. <laughs> right. In other words, no one on the face of this planet has ever come to Jesus Christ unless they've been drawn by God the Father. And so it's a divine work of God. And so we, we can't um, think that we can force a conversion or somehow talk someone into a conversion. God is the one that converts someone. But we are the, the minor player. There's two major players. There's the Holy Spirit working in someone's heart, and there's the power of the gospel. You know, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. So we've got a powerful message. We've got the powerful Holy Spirit working on people's lives, and we're just the messenger boy or girl delivering this powerful message and allowing God to work in people's lives. And I think if we take that approach, Neil, we, we take the weight off our shoulders. We go, you know what? E, this E word's not so scary after all. All I'm doing is just sharing the good news and not putting any pressure on anyone. I'm allowing God to work in their life. And when we take that approach, uh, it's a lot more relaxed and it's a lot more breezy. And it's a, even though it's profound, the message, and, and we're passionate about it, we can still leave it with the person without having to force them into a decision they don't want to make and uh, let God be God. And, and, and it's acknowledging that journey that people are on. I don't think anyone doubts that there is a starting point mm-hmm. for someone's Christian walk. Uh, sometimes we talk about a new birth, mm-hmm. and that is usually in response to having heard uh, this person who comes with the good news, this mm-hmm. message of the gospel and the positive response to that it brings about this new birth Mm. Uh, but it doesn't stop there Uh, so while we talk about the simplicity and this might be why sometimes we're fearful because Mm -hmm. uh, lots of us can very easily learn a simple straightforward gospel message Mm -hmm. Uh, we want to deliver that uh, but then what comes after that because Mm -hmm. in fact we're called then to be disciplers and Mm -hmm. we need to be equipped to be able to do that 
Ultimately, mm-hmm. then we need to, in fact, uh, encourage people then to use their gifts mm-hmm. to become people who can influence their wider community. And mm-hmm. ultimately, you've got world changers. Ultimately, mm. you've got people who uh, take upon them the responsibility of stewardship for the whole of creation. I mean, this is, this, it gets, you can mm. take it deeper, but oh, I imagine yeah. that but when you're talking about being equipped to share the gospel, you've got to have a lot more of that stuff that happens at the start. And that's yes. what we're talking about with evangelism mm. here, aren't we? Yes, and I think it's 101 as a part of your discipleship as a, as a new Christian is, you know, we often learn about reading the Bible and praying and going to church and communion and baptism and, and you know, fellowship and tithing. And, you know, we go through all these sort of aspects of the Christian faith. But teaching people what is the gospel and how do you communicate that with others uh, is often left out of the discipleship process, and uh, sadly, we've got we've got a lot of people who don't know what the gospel is, let alone how to proclaim it in a way that people will understand it from a non-church perspective, without using all of our jargon and all of our Christianese. And that's a crisis. Um, Campus Crusade for Christ statistics say only, uh, you know, two percent of Christians in the Western Church actually regularly share their faith. And uh, I'd imagine if we were to randomly select someone from, you know, 10 different churches and say, tell us what is the gospel, uh, pretend I'm a non-Christian and communicate it to me, uh, and we got a non-Christian to listen to those messages, how many would they actually understand? And I think we've got a crisis on our hands because we're, we're firstly not passionate enough about getting the gospel out there. We're, we're, we're scared of the E word. We're scared of, of what that entails when we've got a wrong understanding of it. But secondly, we're not equipped to be able to communicate a clear, loving gospel message with not watered down like the full gospel message in a way that connects with people today that's culturally appropriate. Interestingly, when a little bit of pressure comes, Mm. and we've been talking about the issues of freedom and religious freedom, which is Mm. such an important issue that the nation is facing right now, Mm. there's a review going on about our religious freedoms. Uh, In some sense, we've already lost the freedoms because the legislation that went through late last year Mm. didn't have any freedoms attached to it. So in some sense, we've lost the freedoms. Some Mm. people are waiting for the crunch to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be, it's going to get difficult. Mm. And when we even look at the scriptures, Uh, after the death of Jesus, when the pressure came on the disciples mm-hmm. uh, and those who were gathered in Jerusalem, they scattered. Mm. Uh, so there is a sense of scattering. So uh, this idea that when the pressure comes, those who are just playing Jesus mm-hmm. uh, may well find themselves giving up on Jesus. Mm. Uh, mm. So the idea now of just deepening that capacity to know who you are, what you believe, and to mm-hmm. be able to articulate the gospel, perhaps more important than it has ever, ever been. Absolutely. And uh, like I say, it should be 101. Every Christian should know clearly what is the gospel and how can I communicate this in a really clear way with those around us. Because it is the power of God for salvation, and God is transforming lives all around the world through this message. And uh, like you say, I think we're living in times more than ever before where we've got to get the gospel out there and we've got to be able to know what we believe as Christians and make a stand for that. This is the reason that we we made this app, Neil, is so we could actually connect with people uh, in today's culture. And the app is valuable because whenever you are in that conversation, and Mm. you'll know that whenever you're sitting around with teenagers, in Mm -hmm. fact, it's with everybody, uh, everyone's got their mobile device in their hand and they're all looking at 
at a whatever, screen. Yep. At a screen, uh, whether they're looking at uh, you know clips from YouTube or uh, uh, or things that have been sent on social media, uh, this is mm-hmm. this is like the typical way that people mm. are engaging That's today. Right. Yep. And even though they might be sitting opposite one another, engaging mm-hmm. with people perhaps sometimes on the other side of the world. Mm. So if you've got an app, you mm-hmm. can much more easily. Uh, mm. Adapt into this space. Mm. Uh, give us your your solid hard sell on this app because I know <laughs> this is so valuable, Stu. Yeah. Uh, the Gospel sure. in Seven app actually yes. helps people to share their faith. Uh, give us a quick hard sell on it. All right. Well, we've actually just done a, an update, and if you've got an Apple device, an iPhone, or an iPad, you can download the new uh, Gospel in Seven. Just type in Gospel in Seven in the search, and it'll pop up. Uh, it's got all new graphics. It's all got a new workflow. It's got multiple viewers now. You can actually, uh, when you're sharing with a number of people, you can have up to four people that you put their names in. It actually handles each person individually uh, as it goes through and all their responses. As it, it's because it's not a one size fits all presentation, and uh, it, they respond to the gospel and then they they put um, their name and email address and it sends them a customized email based on their response. So it actually helps in that follow up that you were talking about before. How how do you disciple someone? How do you, you know, help them to take another step in the journey towards Christ? Uh, wherever they're at, it gets, sends them more information appropriate to that. And there's so many different possibilities uh, and ways this app can be used. Some people go, oh, I don't like a, a rote method. I don't like a methodology. It's one size fits all. I actually did the c- calculations, Neil, and you'll probably be pretty amazed at how many different ways the app can be used when you use all the different combinations. Uh, any, any guesses? Uh, I'm putting are we you on talking the thousands now. here? Or are we we're talking, talking more than that. We're talking tens of thousands? We're talking more than we're that. We're talking hundreds of thousands. <laughs> we're talking more than that. There's actually uh, four, 421 oh, right. billion different ways <laughs> right. of using the app. If you were to, you know, it, it could be used in all those different ways if you had one, two, three, or four people and answering different things in different ways. Uh, it's amazing the different, you know, this is definitely not a one size fits all app. And so whether you're sharing with one person, two, three or four, you can go through it and individually customise it to that person and uh, it's just brilliant. Download it and have a look. There's a a, a, um, promo three-minute or four-minute clip is a part of the app that you can watch and it gives you a bit of an overview of the app and you'll get to know a bit more about it. It's fantastic. I'm a bit disappointed that you've been taking all that time to count all those ways, Stu. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should have seen me testing it. (laughs) If you do find any problems with the app, uh, you know, get back to me because I haven't tested all 421 billion ways of doing it. I've had to test it in groups and and, uh, that's just the combinations. Okay, well, uh, you know, I mean, not that we're into setting assignments, but uh, for those mums and dads who are listening, sure. and they've got their kids and they've got a mobile device. Yes. Um, how do you do this around the dinner table tonight? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you can actually take some time after dinner sure. and get everyone to download the app and mm-hmm. learn how to use it so that mm-hmm. uh, everyone you know gets introduced to it? Yep. Uh, and you know might sit there uh, dormant for a little while, but then it'll come back when that moment comes when the app is needed. This is mm. the idea, isn't it? That you've got yeah. a resource on you mm. when you're in the deep water and yep. wondering what to do, let's go to the app. Yeah, often people have an opportunity and they say to me, oh, I had this great opportunity to talk about Christ, but I didn't really know what to say. And afterwards I said, why didn't I say this? Or why didn't I, why did I say this? Uh, you know, and, and they really weren't prepared for that moment. And, and the great thing about your phone is it's, it's on you all the time. It's in your handbag or in your pocket or whatever. And you can just pull it out and say, hey, this explains it really well. Let me take you through this, this cool new app we've got. Uh, and oh, okay, and away you go. And it's and it's so easy to use. It's got a narration bar. You don't need to 
memorize a big script. Anyone can use it. You don't have to have the gift of the gab. You don't have to make anything up. It's all there in front of you, and you just simply go through. It's animated. Uh, it's customizable, personalizable to the person. Really good. By the way, I, I do have to say that if you have an Android device, uh, the old app is still in the store, but we're hoping to rectify that in, in the next couple of weeks. It's ready to go, but we're just having some complications in getting it in the store. But uh, hopefully for your Android users... It will be there very soon. Soon, put a, put a note in your diary for a couple of weeks to to check. Visions twenty twenty with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. You know, I've been determined over this past week to give special attention to Billy Graham. Uh, who was such a great evangelist over a 60-year career. He was 99 years old when he died around about this time last week. Mm -hmm. And so to be talking about evangelism quite a lot this week, it's just been wonderful to do so. And today to talk about that uh, saying, who's afraid of the E word, just a few minutes remaining in our conversation. Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is with us. Stu, let's talk about that word fear for a moment because Mm -hmm. fear can be different for different people. And Mm -hmm. Everyone can identify their own fears, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's fear of the people that they go and uh, share the gospel with or uh, other fears. Uh, You know, will I be rejected? All all sorts of things like that. How do you address that when you're talking Mm -hmm. to people and you say, well, you need to overcome this fear? What would we do? Well, I think the starting point, and we've addressed this in the show, is is having a right understanding what evangelism is. Because I think that if you have the wrong understanding and you feel that you've got to convert someone, you've got to pressure them into making a decision that they don't want to make, that makes it very uncomfortable and very fearful. But if you've taken a relaxed approach and go, you know what? I'm just a part of what God's doing in the world. He's the main uh, the player here. He's the one that's actually doing the work in people's lives. I just want to do my part, what he's called me to do, and share the good news of Jesus. And when you share that and, and you do it in a relaxed way, it removes a lot of that fear. Now, in saying that, Neil, even when you understand that, it still is not going to completely get you over fear. I wish I could give you a magic bulletin and, and any, everyone else who's listening and going, Here, there we go, here's a magic pill, you're never going to have fear again. It's just not the case. And I know a lot of evangelists, being an evangelist, and I've shared the gospel tens of thousands of times, I still experience fear and other evangelists too as well. There's always going to be that element and uh, you've, sometimes you just got to feel the fear and do it anyway. I like what you're saying because nothing worthwhile is ever going to be just so relaxing and serene mm. uh, when you are coming with what for some will be even a confrontation because yes. uh, when you share the yes. gospel, you talk about repentance, mm-hmm. uh, lifestyles come into That's the right. spotlight, and so you are actually bringing a message that may well be confronting. Mm. And as you say, though, sometimes mm. fear is actually a motivating factor. Uh, yes. You are the one who you know you're feeling fear, but you know you need to speak up anyway mm. that is an important aspect absolutely and we can we should never water the gospel down and it does confront people's lifestyles and it does confront people's sin and so there's always a little bit of an un, you know uncomfortableness with that but i think that if we understand that god's the one doing the work in people's lives we're just sharing the information and praying that god would turn it into revelation then we're leaving the response to them then we can say look it's up to you mate but here's the truth of it. And we just share the truth in its fullness 
and and we leave it with people uh, and allow God to move upon their lives. And something special too, no doubt, and we won't be able to unpack this in depth, but mm. when we start to share those elements of the Word of God, mm. uh, those things not only are shared with someone else, but they also shape who we are mm. because we become conformed to sure. the image of Christ. And mm. uh, an important reason to be sharing your faith, sharing mm. the gospel message. And we did mention the app. Uh, people will be able to go to your website, traintoproclaim.com, mm-hmm. and uh, simply either do that or Google Gospel in 7, and you'll find the app that we've been talking about. And great encouragement, as it always is when we mm. have you on as a guest, Stu Miller. Thank, Thank you. you so much for taking some time to talk to us on a very significant occasion as we talk about an evangelist having the highest honor and uh, to have that evangelist being honored in the way that he does. Every evangelist, even you, Stu Miller, uh, deserve uh, some level of higher honor today as well. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.